Wait, wait, wait. Hey, Mom, we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're back from my parents' closet. Hopefully the last time ever, but who can predict? <laughs> Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Oh my goodness. Welcome back, everyone. You have found us for the final time for this inaugural season of the Blue and White Brothers Uh, Three months ago, October 13th, was our first episode drop, and today, uh, nearly uh, three full months later, is our 20th episode and the last one of our first season at Blue and White Brothers. Uh, It's been quite a ride. Uh, One of the highlights of uh, this last quarter for me, Tom, uh, sharing these uh, podcasts with you. Uh, we told you a couple of weeks ago that we we're going to bring you one final episode. Wasn't sure when it would happen. Um, started enjoying some of the downtime myself. Uh, so, you know, yeah, squeezing we, it in. Uh, we, got, we got a little comfy. Uh, a little comfy and cozy. I, I enjoyed the the, yeah. the week between Christmas and New Year's definitely was a was a nice little uh, break for me uh, from all things uh, work uh, as well as the podcast. Um, but last night was the national championship game, the official end of the football season, and the right time for us to jump in and bring you our season recap for the Blue and White Brothers. And you know, Tom, as I look back over the last three months, there are some things that have changed, and there are some things that hasn't changed. Um, One thing that has changed is that the calendar has uh, flipped to a new year. Uh, Another college football season is in the record books. Uh, But you know what hasn't changed? What? Uh, Well, (laughs) Alabama's still on top of the college football world. They did did what I wanted. They they humiliated. They publicly neutered the the Buckeyes, and that's what I I was was hoping for. It was an embarrassment. Uh, You know, uh, another thing uh, that has changed, um, uh, we have a new offensive coordinator again. Again. Uh, What is it? And that was a shock. Four years? Oh, my gosh. Isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, fourth and five years, I think. Okay, um, all right. But, um, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, but one thing that hasn't changed is Penn State's need to climb into elite status in the Big Ten. Uh, still working on that. And, of course, uh, maybe uh, maybe went a little backward. Maybe, not maybe. I mean, went a little we went backwards this year. We went sideways. Let's call <laughs> oh my it side. We definitely went sideways. Yeah, we, yeah, let's hopefully this is just a sidetrack from, uh, from that effort. Um, uh, another thing uh, that has changed um, – this was a truly unprecedented season of college football played in the midst of uh, an international pandemic. Um, and we end up, as I said, with a, with a record that none of us were, were hoping for when we started talking about this season three months ago. But you know what hasn't changed? Um, still waiting. <laughs> uh, what hasn't changed is our love of Penn State football. Uh, even so, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, um, and my love for my parents' closet, <laughs> which has not changed at all. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, yeah, and what, one of those things that has changed has has been your recording location. Yeah, multiple yep. times. Yeah, here, here you are back in the closet. So, I, I, yeah, congratulations. My, my alternate um, uh, inconvenient. 
recording location when when not uh, in my parents' closet is my my girlfriend's uh, goldsmith. Uh, studio. So her, we're in the process of packing up all of her stuff in her apartment, a few blocks from from here uh, at, at mom and dad's. But uh, and we're driving out to Colorado with all her things, um, and, in, and in less maybe, than a week. <laughs> just maybe we'll have a a, a um, reliable location for recording. Maybe when we get to it. Maybe next season. Maybe right? that's that's uh, the hope. That's the hope. But but here's what hasn't changed: our dedication. To bring this podcast to the few of you still listening, <laughs> yeah, thank you, um, thank you for and, listening because because the few of you who are still listening, you know, have helped us to uh, to to. I I think with with this release of this episode, we will uh, crest over the two thousand um, downloads. Uh, yep. Mark. So we're we're counting on you, mom and dad, to multiple yep. downloads yep. of this episode. Yep. You know, just re-download all the other episodes uh, so we can get who, over that. Who crest. are we without our parents? We're nobody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and I will say, uh, right at the outset of this last episode of season one, that uh, Tom and I are both committed to bringing you a season two. Uh, barring unforeseen f- circumstances, which, you know, obviously in this last year, we found how frequently those things can occur. But yeah. our intent and our plan and our our sincere hope and desire is to bring you a season two. Uh, so so look for, if you liked what we brought you this season, uh, look for some more uh, next season. But before we talk about next season of the Blue and White Brothers, uh, we're going to uh, have a final episode for you, and here's what we're going to bring you. First of all, some some news and updates um, around the football world, uh, college football world in particular, uh, and Penn State football. Um, then we want to just give you a season recap, an, an overview, or a reminder of of an our our take. Uh, you know, we said it's two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, we each have some takes on on this season. We're going to bring that to you. Um, we're going to talk about where do we go from here? What are we looking forward to uh, for next season of Penn State football? Um, and yeah, that's what we've got for you. So, Tom, let's let's jump right on in. Um, you know, you and I were texting uh, last night uh, as the college football championship game unfolded. And that, of course, is the first big bit of news. Uh, Alabama crowned national championship yet again. I think it's the sixth time one of Nick Saban's teams at Alabama has uh, hoisted the trophy. And No, seventh. Um, seventh. His seventh <clears throat> national my title. My mistake. I mean, I'm, lo- I'm losing track. Two with LSU, I guess, and five with... Uh, five with Alabama. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a quite a game um, that, in a lot of ways, especially after Ohio State's demolishing of Clemson, uh, that that shows just how good Nick Saban and Alabama uh, were this year and I, continue yeah. to be year over year. I, I think I OSU was depleted on many fronts. One was their roster it was missing thirteen players going into the game due to, I believe, COVID. Um, uh, you know restrictions, um, and uh, they lost their number one, their new number one running back, Trey Sermon, on his second or third snap of the game. And uh, yeah, we know what that's first like, right? snap of the game. Maybe, it was, yeah, yeah. No, and, and no, I, I, I thought of Noah, Noah Kane immediately, but <laughs> yeah. it wasn't a national title game that we lost Noah true, Kane in. True, um, but and of course, you know, um, it just, I, I, yeah. I, 
Ohio State's defense, I don't even know if they were up to the task with a full, you know, complement of, of defenders, but they were missing their their two of their starting defensive linemen. Um and their D-backs were not good coming into this game. Namely, Sean Wade has been torched multiple times this season, including against Penn State when, um, you know, our very own all-world Jahan Dotson torched him for uh, three touchdowns in, in a half. Now, after the after that game last night, it's the third time Ohio State's defensive backfield has been torched for three touchdowns by one wide receiver in a game. That's the other, crazy. The other being uh, Indiana's Fry Fogel, and last night, of course, being Devontae Heisman Trophy winning Smith. Uh, yeah. Devontae. Devonta. Smith was a revelation to me. Oh, I mean, he amazing. Was, I mean, absolutely no question as to why he won the Heisman Trophy. It was no, on full no. display, and he did it and all in a half because he got injured. Yeah, first, can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was I, not I mean, really a game much at all. Um, even though it was close for the first quarter uh, and a half, but you know, we have been exploded upon in quarters before at Penn State. <laughs> Yeah, we might talk about that a little bit. Alabama put up 28 in the second quarter, on unanswered 28 points in the second quarter. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, Ohio State was just blown up and blown away. I mean, the final score didn't look maybe quite as bad as... I just don't uh, think they had anything in the tank after the Clemson game, to be honest with you. And and with the the key roster losses... uh, I just, you know, losing your your running back, it's tough. It's tough to overcome, and and I wanted it. I wanted to see it. I, I <laughs> you saw it, man. You I got said, it. I said going into the game, I want this public neutering to be the first domino um, of of the Ohio State, uh, you know, dismantling the machine, the beast, the recruiting machine. You know, I, I I'm I'm certainly at my wits end with with a team like Ohio State dominating not just the Big Ten but our division. Yeah. And and a buddy of mine, Joel, who I mentioned many times this um, this uh, you know recording season for us, uh, he mentioned you know as sad as it it is to say, he believes um, Michigan needs to get better in order for both Penn State and the Big Ten to start you know t- plucking away at this Ohio State mega machine. You know, Michigan needs to start beating Ohio State. Penn State needs to start beating Ohio State. We we, we need to do it as a division and as a conference. It can't be just one team doing it. It's like... As I said in the opening, I mean, at Penn State's journey, as Franklin clearly said, after one of those Ohio State losses a couple of years ago, you know, Penn State needs to get to elite status. We're still working on that yeah. for sure. Well, the the division and the conference, I believe, is getting better. You know, yeah, I, I think top to bottom, the Big Ten is a is a is a darn good conference. I, you know, I think the problem is that we still haven't gotten up to the the level of Alabama, Clemson. You know, right now being right. two truly dominant teams in the country. We just, I mean, as Ohio State showed, they could they took on. Uh, you know, a Clemson team that was maybe not as strong as it has been in the past, but they just they just were no match for Alabama, yeah. at least as they presented themselves uh, last night. It, it just it went, they just look completely befuddled. You know, we, we we've been seeing, um, you know, some of the we'll get into this after a, f- a few more topics. Uh, you know, we'll get into some, some of our Penn State roster updates. We, we've been seeing some Penn State players coming back. It makes me wonder what Ohio State players are going to come back or which ones are going to leave, you know, because the same rule applies across the board to all college football players, uh, not just Penn State ones. 
that Justin Fields is allowed to come back if he wants. Now, he's a top, you know, I would be pick. so shocked if I, he came I, back. Listen, stranger things have happened. Yeah, that's the, true. The, um, what was it? Justin Herbert was supposed to be a first-round draft pick, uh, not last year, but the year before. And he went back to Oregon and may have lost himself uh, some, you know, draft stock by doing so. But he still wanted to because he wanted to, you know, he wanted to play with his team a little bit more. Yeah. And, and you, you got to think like, oh my gosh, you know, if I'm Justin Fields and I got injured and I like didn't have my best game, at, you know, in the national title game, you know, year one with Ohio State, he got him to the semifinal, lost. Year two, got him to the final, lost. He's He's allowed to come back. Do you care that much? I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, obviously not. There's not been a whole lot of, of attention not to been talk of it. Yeah, to Ohio State. Uh, you know, I. Well, I, they're our opponent, man. They're who. They're our hurdle. They're the gatekeepers of the division title. They're the gatekeepers of the Big Ten title, and their their machine rolls. And and it's going to be interesting to see what their well, roster I, what, shakes out. What I was going to say. What I was going to say is, you know, regardless of what happens to Fields, like you, you look at Alabama this past year, right? Um, who they lost was it Tua who was their quarterback last year? Was it just last year? And and like Tua is an all-world kind of quarterback, you know, generational talent, quote unquote. And then in comes Mac Jones from out of nowhere and has like the most remarkable <laughs> quarterbacking season. He had a Joe Alabama. Burrow year, <laughs> I, totally, he took yeah. truly. Yeah. So you know, it does make you wonder who's lined up behind Fields for Ohio State, maybe. Well, maybe there's a gap. Maybe there's like similarly, yeah. you know, look at at Georgia with Jake Fromm, a very good quarterback. And, you know, they, they did not have a great season this year at quarterback. Uh, the Rattler over at, uh, you know, the Oklahoma. Rat. I mean, rat. <laughs> he, he apparently played better as the season went on. Oh, he certainly um, did. He absolutely but um, did. early sad, on, like he did not point. seem like he was stepping into the shoes he was of the rattled rat. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so so, you so know, anyway, well, all that to quick, say is real quick, real quick, real, you know, just, with Alabama no, quick. It's Real quick, quick, with Alabama, you know they had they had players come back for their senior season that, that didn't need to. Najee Harris could have left last year. He I mean, have... and by the way, in terms of running backs on the field last night, Najee Harris was by far the dominant running back. I mean, Ohio State just could not tackle him, yeah. and and it he was decided. it was remarkable. It was remarkable. Like Derek Henry meets like yeah. Mark Ingram type. <laughs> well, so you know, anyway, I you know I I. It's hard for me to say congratulations to Alabama because I just I do not have a lot of love in my heart for Alabama. No, but, I don't um, want Alabama to win, but I definitely didn't want Ohio <laughs> State to win. But but I mean, there's no arguing that Alabama was the best football team in the country this it, year. This is the first year that I have actually felt like screw the Big Ten love, <laughs> screw that. I'm sick of I, I don't even, I don't even care. I'm tired of like Ohio State carrying the Big Ten banner. Even if they're the best team in the conference, like and they and they, you know, they drive the perception of the Big Ten, I don't care anymore. Because they've been driving the perception of the Big Ten for so long. They've been hoarding all the attention. They've I been agree. hoarding all the recruits. They've been hoarding all the, you know, the 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 college football playoff love. I mean, they got gifts. I mean, just look at look at let me take a turn in our news and notes, because we also wanted to talk about uh the bowl season outside of the championship. And look at what happened to the Big Ten teams in terms of where they were placed. You know, speaking of all, you know, all of college football making way for Ohio State to get into the the playoff, and then basically afterthoughting every single the big, other the big team Ten that didn't was, get a, had a single like even matchup. No, they didn't. They didn't get no. any. They didn't get like 
Iowa was given unranked. Number 15, Iowa was given unranked Missouri. Number 14, Northwestern was given unranked Auburn. Number uh, 11, Indiana was given four and five Ole Miss. So it's just like, and of course, Wisconsin was given Wake Forest. And now Wisconsin obliterated Wake Forest 42 to 28. Iowa didn't even get to play their Music City Bowl game. They, 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 they got canceled. Missouri had, had COVID. They canceled the bowl game. <laughs> so, and, and Northwestern um, beat uh, Auburn 35 to 14 in the Citrus Bowl. But but a, 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 a number 11, one-loss Indiana team didn't even get uh, a sniff of the New Year's Six. Yeah. So it's, that's it's a shame. A tragedy. And, 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 and they and, lost to that. They did. Team, they did. They, the they, they put up an egg in the Outback Bowl, 26 and, to 20, which, and which is unfortunate. But yeah. great season for them, you know? Hey, I mean, hand it to Ole Miss for coming ready to play. But it is it is one of these sort of no-win situations, yeah. um, you know, when, when you pair – you know, grossly unmatched teams is you, you know, a team like Indiana comes in disappointed to be shut out yeah. and disinterested, you know, and so, you know, they of course lose, uh, you know, respect and the opportunity to, to finish, you know, uh, with a win in the bowl game. But like even, you and know, the whole Indiana, team, they were without uh, some, some players. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. Know, I mean, including their quarterback, their, yeah. you know, quarterback, you know, so um, it, <clears throat> it was just not a good bowl season for the Big Ten uh, going into it. And then, um, you know, hats off to Northwestern, hats off to Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin for, for performing well in those bowl games. But again, you, you know, those those teams should have been matched up. And hats uh, off to Ohio State for murdering Clemson. Oh yeah, that for me was one of the more fun moments because yeah, um, I was okay with with Ohio State beating Clemson. Um, I just didn't want them to win the national title. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I I think in a lot of ways that that uh, Ohio State Clemson game was probably Ohio State's best game of the season. They Without looked like Without the team that we all well I I don't know about we all but the the press. Um, and the the nation kind of expected Ohio State to be at the beginning of the season before all the COVID, um, you know, uh, disrupt, disruption. Um, uh, you know, Ohio State never really got their footing. They they won out um, what what the games that they were expected to play, but they never looked dominant. They looked dominant in that Clemson game. Right. Um, I, you know, the the ju- the performance of Justin Fields. Um, to come back from that brutal hit that he took yeah. and finish the game the way he did, that's a, that was a real gutsy performance. So even as we're sort of reveling in uh, Ohio State's embarrassment after playing Alabama, they, they – you know they can look back uh, at that game. It was a it, it was a honestly a very well, they good kinda, performance. They kind of shoved it in Clemson and 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 Dabo Sweeney's face with with the the number eleven ranking by Dabo, even though he said it was no offense. Yeah, and, it's true. You know, it's but, true. But notice you know, Nick Saban was was smart not to give them any sort of like bulletin board material like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, why would you? Why no. why do that? Yeah. And he doubled down on it too, but whatever. Anyways, we don't need to continue on with Ohio State talk. So, uh, <laughs> so look, you know, from the from the national picture, you know, the, the the championship has come to its obvious and predictable conclusion. The bowl season was uh, as 
uh, predicted by many a total mess and a, yeah, it was to a me a real face plant and you know and, and an embarrassment honestly to to college football. While um, you're talking about it, I'm going to pull up the number of games uh, bowl games that were canceled. I mean, it was it was a, a significant number, and and um, you shared with me an article. I mean, it was just a scathing article. Yeah, uh, you know about you know kind of the manner in which. The college football season was conducted, and and um, you, you feel free to link to that if you want, Tom. But it, it was, you know, it was definitely, um, it, you know, a, a very acidic in its tone. But there's a lot of truth to to um, what this what this writer was um, suggesting in it, um, and, and so I think there's a lot of bad looks um, for for the season, and we really saw those come to, you know. The, the bowl season really brought out the worst of of this year's college football season. Um, that said, you know Penn State, um, it, 16. you know managed sixteen bowls, <clears throat> sixteen <more> bowls. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, okay. So that's, Sorry to interrupt. I, mean, I was that's an can- counting with my fingers. <laughs> you know. So um, <laughs> counting with your fingers. So Penn State did manage to bring a, a very challenging year to conclusion. Um, and um, in that space since the, the season ended, we have some updates for you about Penn State's team um, and, and some of the changes that the team uh, is going to be undergoing in the offseason. Uh, Tom, first of all, we have some announcements of players who are leaving either because they're declaring for the NFL draft or they're transferring out. Who are those guys? Uh, guys that are some some the, some of the big names of guys that are leaving. Uh, we're losing C.J. Thorpe on the offensive line, which, by the way, I believe he has claimed he's going to be um, going to transfer to a school that is yet to be determined uh, as a defensive lineman. I think he kind of has been getting the the, the bigger picture of of what of what his talents are on the offensive line, and one of those talents that he has not been able to you know, work on is his pass blocking, essentially. And, you know, he kind of had some other extracurricular things that he, he couldn't lock down, and namely some some, uh, some dirty, penal- play. Pen- dirty play, d- dirty penalties, uh, yeah. things of that nature. But so so he's gone. Um, and, and, you know, we wish we wish him the best, of course. You of course. know, we n- no ill will towards towards him um, or any of these guys that have decided to transfer. They're all, you know, human beings that ha- bit have to make surprise. their— uh, yeah. That that on our offensive line, which we're starting to see some consistency and development, that maybe we're losing a guy that that was a contributor. But um, yeah, we we expect that that we'll have some some guys to backfill. Yeah. So um, and on the defensive line, obviously, you know we're we're losing a couple guys to the NFL and Jason Owe and Shaka Tony, but we're also losing two defensive tackles on the uh, on the line. Um, Judge Call Pepper, I believe, is going to Toledo. Um, and um, the the more surprising one was I, I would have assumed, you know, this guy would have just graduated and moved on. Um, but he is taking, I believe, his sixth year of eligibility with the Florida Gators. Antonio Shelton is moving on from Penn State, and I, I've heard that was some, a that was a surprise to me, honestly. I, I think so too. But I, I've heard some some chatter about why that might be the case, why he's going to Florida. And by the way, you know, he's joining former uh, Penn State super recruit um, down there with Dan Mullen 
uh, wide receiver Justin Shorter transferred down there last year. So so he, he won't be alone, um, you know, with some of his his old, an, old, an old teammate of his. But from what I heard was, you know, Antonio Shelton's numbers this year were not gaudy at all by any stretch. I think he only had a handful of tackles for loss, a couple of sacks, and uh, only a total of, I think, 15 tackles on the season. But, but his, his contribution – does not show up on the stat sheet like like a, no, a he was defensive a huge, end. Would. He he plugged the 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 center of that line pretty effectively. Yeah, he's all he, season. he he played the one technique. Uh, you know, was was basically in and and the nose tackle type role, um, taking on double teams a lot, and 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 that's just what he did. But I think um, what he wants to do, and what this move would suggest, is he's trying to kind of. Um, like uh, have a larger complement of tools to show the NFL of what he can do. And the Florida defensive line, from what I've read is an utter shambles. They've had, they, 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 they don't, I don't think they have like many starters coming back that, that produced at all. And um, from what the Florida message boards are saying, you know, this guy's a starter right off the bat. And I think he wants to work on his three technique. Um, Interesting. And so, so I think that's why he, he wants to be given the ability to kind of showcase his his um, stardom uh, as as I mean, know, the guy at Florida I think in the SEC, especially. I think that's one of the things that this um, you know transfer ability is going to potentially do for for players who are nearing the end of their college career to maybe think you know is there a place where I can do some resume padding. Um, and, and maybe that's part of what Shelton had in mind. You also wonder, you know, in this difficult season, uh, that was the one position on defense where they had a coaching change on the defensive line, um, the loss of Coach Spencer um, over the offseason. And, you know, I, I did wonder with losing uh, some of these guys on the line, uh, certainly Judge Culpepper, you might think might be a, a playing time issue, but Shelton, it just, you wondered if there was maybe a, a connection issue with with the coach and feeling like you know, this is not someone who I want to, who I feel is going to, um, you know, serve my best interest or or that I feel like, you know, coming back for one more year and let's try something new to raise my draft stock. Well, you know, let, uh, Shelton has. I just let me just say, Shelton's sure, been sure. A, a big contributor to this team, and um, it, it was kind of disappointing to lose him not because I, I i don't wish him the best but just because you sort of felt if he comes back it gives our defense you know a known quantity to get back to and now it looks like we're going to be starting with a brand new starting defensive line yeah um you know and, and let's not discount the idea that uh, Gainesville in December or Gainesville in the winter. <laughs> yeah, you know, good he's transferring. He'll he's starting <laughs> classes soon. Like, yeah. you know, that's exciting. You know, I, I get it. I get it. I, you know, it, it, no ill will towards him, and I wish wish him the best down there. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely miss his um, his his big old three hundred and thirty pound belly on the defensive yeah. line. Uh, well, uh, and by the way, I bet I bet you anything he he ends up losing some weight to play uh, at a higher speed down there. Is is my my assumption. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, any anytime you transfer into a new program, it's always a question mark as to whether you're going to find a spot. Uh, Justin Shorter, yeah, being a good example, he did not apparently have a a great statistical season this year. So no, definitely. Um, not. So you never know. Um, but you wish you wish someone like Antonio Shelton the best. Yeah. Um, so uh, any other big uh, l- um, players that are are going to be leaving the team over the off season that you're aware of, Tom? Um, no. Uh, okay, so there, there are some coaches leaving the team. <laughs> uh, 
well, yeah, you know, you're letting the cat out of the bag early, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, obviously, Kirk Sharaka leaving um, as our offensive coordinator was a huge bit of news. You, you um, know, the, the one thing, the one thing I will say, I don't even, I don't know if we covered this during the season at all, but um, I, I don't, I don't recall. Um, but on November 24th, Trent Gordon, cornerback, entered his name into the transfer portal. I think portal. we did mention. That. Okay, he, he picked yeah. up with he picked up with the uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks for for what that's worth. Well, there you go. Yeah. So um, we're we're going to talk about the offensive coordinator coaching role uh, toward the end when we're really looking at next year's season. Um, of course, that is big news um, that Kirk Scirocco was let go after only one season. Um, Tom, you know, we talked a lot about this uh, the day that the news was announced. And, you know, from, from my perspective, it was a real my sense was that, like, you, you got to give Kirk Sharaka a mulligan this year. You know, he sh- there were some positive things that showed on the offense, even though, you know, the abysmal uh, start uh, of the five losses, um, it, you know, so many ways to, to, to kind of see that Kirk Sharaka kind of had one hand but tied behind his back all season with the with the way the offseason went. And, um, you know, I thought there were some things you could really build on going at the end of the season. I just didn't see it as a as a realistic possibility that he would lose his job. Yeah, I think there were some indications uh, since the firing. And, and again, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole entirely right now. Um, I got a lot to say about b- both sides of this coin. But I, th- I think it was less uh, to do with what Kirk Scirocco's failings were this year and more to do with the opportunity that this incoming offensive coordinator presents. Um, yeah. I, I, there's a, there's, there's a, a sense of, um, of maybe this was uh, James Franklin's number one um, option uh, for getting the job last year, but Texas grabbed him. So now yes. became, so, 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 so this was, you know, what I hear you saying, and, and I think sort of where you and I landed, is that this was really more about the upgrade um, than about the failures of Kirk Scirocco. Yeah, Although I, I will say, I imagine if Kirk Scirocco had a better resume from this season, it wouldn't have been yeah. as easy to I was ready him. to go forward with, with yeah, Kirk Scirocco uh, absolutely next year, you know, with, with, with uh, you know. With the uh, assumption that it would improve markedly in some Yeah, areas. certainly. But, well, you know. I, to me, I think the really, the biggest critique of Kirk Scirocco that, that, you can't pin to directly toward the difficulty of installing a new offense during COVID. Is there just some really maddening, uh, you know, almost indefensible play calls at yeah. certain critical moments, or even just game like, plans with yeah, the play exa- calls? Exactly, know? like you know the the, the two sides of, of that yeah. coin. And I know you know Sharaka mentioned he felt hampered. He can't call the offense with the complexity that we would want. So he maybe didn't have the the play sheet that he would was hoping to have. Yeah, and, and I, simplified and I think things. There, I think he but, was hampered outside of that aspect of not being able to install the whole offense. I, I'm not sure how much Franklin allowed him to have leeway. You know, with the the game plan, the playbook. Um, whether or not that was Kirk Sharaka or James Franklin, we don't know. But it, there were some rumblings that that maybe uh, there was they were kind of at odds with one another. Um, hmm. Possibly, possibly, and not yeah. necessarily in a malicious way, but just in a they're not they're not clicking the way you would want an OC and head coach. Some to unhelpful click. tension, perhaps. Something maybe maybe yeah, not again. even tension, but just just a, a different. Um, um, you know, con- con- concepts for yeah. for what should be installed and what can be run throughout the season. And, and again, I think, you know, 
you can chalk a lot of that up to the the challenges of trying to you know develop a new coaching staff and and install a new offense during this you know covid uh challenged season if if you don't have someone who appears to be of the caliber and you know sort of alignment with Franklin as um as your uh, appears to be you know so it's um Again, I think if Shiraka had done a little bit better in terms of his on-field performance with the team, we may not be having this conversation. Um, maybe though, maybe we still would be. Maybe again, again, it's if you speculative, feel that, of course, if you feel that somebody else, I, I think we're we're going down a rabbit hole. Do you want well, Do you want to get there now, or, or I, I say we let's wait. just finish I, your finish just finish uh, your thought. Okay, just finish so, your thought on like the decision. all I'm going to say was if you. Feel that somebody is right for your team. You feel that this is the guy who's going to take you to the next level. Then you just go get him. I think Franklin has been operating since the end of the season with an utter sense of urgency for making definitive moves to uh, improve this team and this roster and its coaching staff. From and people have been attributing it to like, well, James Franklin's with home with his family right now. Or, or in Florida with his family, whatever, however, wherever he is, I, I, you know, he hit the ground running because he's got his, like, mojo back because he's not apart from, you know, the other half of who he is, which is his family. <laughs> well, so. you know, the attitude of leadership on this, you know, the, the the instinct would be, okay, now we can, like, let's think about a refresh or maybe you're even thinking about a rebuild. But certainly it seems like some of these offseason moves already have shown that Franklin is not content just to sort of get back to where they were. Urgent. They don't want to get back. They want to they want to take the step that they've been trying to take. And, and, and this and seems to be— And your offense is a yeah, an opportunity explosive to do that. offense, yeah. whereas Chiraca's isn't quite— hasn't proven, at least with Penn State's, to be as explosive as Franklin wanted. So in any case, uh, that's the other big program loss is the departure of Kirk Shiraka. Um, but just as we have a new addition with our new offensive coordinator coming in, uh, we also have some uh, additions to the roster, as well as some folks who are coming back that we weren't sure about to, to share with you. So let's start with those uh, players who are coming back, Tom. Who did we find out about already? Oh, well, some some of the big names were uh, Tariq Castro-Fields and Jaquan Brisker on the defense, which is a huge bolster to, yeah, our, to our defensive secondary. backfield, yeah. But and also, let me just say, Brisker for me, as I mean, and for you, I mean, we've kind of been a little, you know, sort of part of the the fan club for Jaquan Brisker. That that to me is huge because he he was he had a huge impact on the team this year, and the fact that he's coming back uh, to me is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, so so with that, um, you know, Jaquan Brisker came on pretty strong at the end of the season and had that. Pro Football Focus All American tag, All American, not just Big Ten. You know, he was a he was a Big Ten, I think, third teamer, um, like Jahan Dotson. Speaking of Jahan yeah. Dotson, he announced that he is coming back. That's is, the biggest news for me. Yeah, that's, I, that's enormous. So excited to to have Jahan back. Um, not sure what all went into that decision. Um, you know, how much of that is sort of his sense that another year will improve his draft stock versus how much he feels like there's unfinished business to come back and attend to. But I mean, as a fan of Penn State football, I think it's his, I think it's his, um, 
I do believe I, I do believe it has something to do with maybe him getting a degree. Um, no, well, I think that, I, I think got a hand part it to him for for that decision as well. Uh, but I mean, just Jahan Dotson, and again, we said this at the last um, the last show where we were just you know beside ourselves that. Dotson didn't get more recognition in, or, or Big Ten honors. Um, with Ohio State's final game being played last night, uh, it, it's now we can now say definitively that he had the the highest number of receiving yards yards of any Penn State receiver this year. Uh, excuse me, of any Big Ten receiver this yeah, year. Yeah, if Garrett Wilson needed 215 yards to surpass, <laughs> didn't quite get it, did he? No, he didn't. Um, Justin Fields didn't even have 200 yards passing in the game. So. Uh, th- Devonte Smith had those 200 yards for yeah. Alabama. <laughs> Here's an interesting, an interesting tidbit with Jahan Dotson coming oh, back. I love um, tidbits. Yeah, or a, a, a possibility with Jahan Dotson coming back, um, uh, and Mike Yursich coming in. I have to, you know, think to myself: if I'm James Franklin and I'm Mike Yursich. And the national title game is being played. What am I doing if I'm James Franklin and I'm Mike Yersich right now? And I'm seeing what it takes to, to get into the college ball playoff. And what it, what it is is good a good quarterback, you know, a great quarterback. And that's something we have yet to see from Clifford being a great quarterback. He hasn't been a great quarterback. He's been very inconsistent. And he's been, at best, he's been inconsistent, I think, this past season. Um, there have been times where he's been a good quarterback. Yeah, but it's very rare. Would you say, "Wow, he shows signs of being a great quarterback"? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and and you know, is Yursich thinking he can take Penn State to the next level with Clifford, or or a quarterback on the current roster, or is James Franklin not done in the transfer portal yet? Well, that's a good question. Um, and speaking of. Um, this has really been the first year that Penn State has been very active in the transfer portal. And um, so we do have some roster additions that will be joining the team, um, you know, I guess right away, uh, you know, from other uh, teams around the country. And Tom, why don't you just name some of those uh, new players? Yeah. So we've got um, uh, four of them currently, uh, Arnold Ebbett. Ketty, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. A um, he he's a, a defensive end from Temple. Uh, he has immediate these, all these guys have immediate eligibility. He's a six foot four, two hundred thirty five pound stud from them. And, and this uh, guy he, is a starter potential. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, him. This is not just a depth we builder. A, we have a Disa Isaac that um, you know ha- has produced somewhat for us. But I, you know, he, he hasn't. He's been playing third fiddle to Shaka and Jason Owe. But he's 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 an athlete. He's like he's a a Jason Owe type athlete. Adisa Isaac is, and he he is prime for a, for a breakout. But um, so Arnold Ebiketti has the the ability to be a stud for us. Um, and then uh, continuing on the defensive line, Derek Tangelo from Duke, uh, defensive tackle, six foot two, two hundred ninety. He is a Big time performer for Duke, uh, and and he's a very very solid body that that can help plug the middle for us alongside of PJ Mustafer and Hakeem Beeman and Fred Hansard. He'll be 
you know, very yeah, he'll be in that rotation of the, for of the sure. top four um, guys. And and if we were worried about losing, you know, Tariq Castro Fields and losing um, Jaquan Brisker, and we and we never we don't know yet. Uh, Lamont Wade might come back. Uh, who who knows? But we also picked up a a pretty solid cornerback um, with some good length uh, from. Uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, John Dixon, six foot, 170, uh, 170, 170 pounds. Uh, he was a starter for them. Um, so we'll see how how well he he factors into the to the mix. I'm hearing some chatter that um, you know we might see some shuffling of cornerbacks to become safeties. So who knows where John Dixon will fit in um, in in the mix, uh, depending on how the Lamont Wade uh, decision shakes out. But uh, surprisingly. We also got a um, a a, a big time. I would say he's a big time back. John Lovett uh, or Lovett. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. He, six foot uh, running back, 203 pounds uh, out of Baylor, and he's. I think he's had like 1,200 yards or more, and a, and a boatload of touchdowns um, coming out of Baylor in the Big yeah, Twelve. I, so I think we mentioned him um, at our last podcast. Oh I think, right, uh, I think yeah. he he had already. Um, you know, committed to that transfer, but sure, yeah, sure. I mean, um, we as we as we said, I think um, last podcast, we learned this year running back depth is a really important thing, and uh, so it'll be good to have him join. So those are the four big names that that we're aware of coming in. Um, you know, many of them seems like they're they're going to be vying for starting time right away. Yeah, and I'm hearing um, if I didn't already mention we're 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 up for. Um... Uh, possible Ivy League offensive lineman from Harvard um, because we'll be losing uh, Michael Mennett and we're losing Will Fries to graduation. And so there'll be a little bit of shuffling on the offensive line. I think Mike Miranda will move to center. And uh, I, I don't have the, the Harvard guy's name offhand, but but Auburn and LSU are also in the mix. Um, but I'm hearing he's high on uh, Penn State as well. So we'll see where his decision takes him if he comes to, to Penn State. He was a three-star um, in high school. Uh, but yeah, we'll need some some more depth on the offensive line. And another little tidbit for the uh, 2021 recruiting class, Penn State picked up um, a preferred walk-on commitment from Evan Clark out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, He is a quarterback with some elite athletic ability, and he's got a big body, six foot three, like 220 pounds. Um, I'm seeing he could play wide receiver. I'm seeing he could play safety. Seeing he could play linebacker. But um, he he was a six A, I think, player of the year in Pennsylvania, uh, and played both ways. So he he's an interesting. Um, athlete possibility that provides a, a ton of in- intrigue and and where he might actually end up playing position wise. Um, you know we've had Penn State walk ons. Um, you know bring some some serious uh, firepower to the table uh, in years past. So so we'll see where this guy lands. Uh, you know with this preferred walk on class and 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 uh, if he actually is able to to produce at a higher level at the neck at the next level. Um, yeah. So. Um... You know, barring any additional uh, transfers coming in and maybe some some late uh, 21, 2021 
um, recruiting class picks up pickups. It looks like uh, the next year's team is coming into focus, um, and um, yeah, some good things to look forward to. Even as that 2021 recruiting class was was a little smaller than expected, those those transfers definitely bolster um, team needs. Um, last thing I'll say. The- last thing I'll say. I, you know, I, I we didn't see this offensive cord offensive coordinator, uh, you know, decision coming. We just didn't see it. Uh, don't don't be surprised if Penn State if you hear Penn don't State going be after hasty. A, don't if you see Penn State going after a, a quarterback uh, or hearing about us picking up a quarterback. I you know I'm I'm literally just waiting to hear. I it's well it, it's I, the last piece of the puzzle uh, it, it this is. off season and and I think that you know maybe they swing and strike out. I don't know. Um, but there there are some options out there. With and, Franklin's, and, and, with and Franklin's not, yeah. desire to be elite, I mean, you just look at all of the teams that were in that playoff this year and have been for the last few years. Very, very infrequently do you have a non-elite quarterback at the helm of one of those teams. And even this year with Notre Dame, Ian Book, who, you know, is not talked about in the same breath as someone like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, even he um, is, a, is, a, is a darn good quarterback and one of the all-time Absolutely. great quarterbacks for Notre Dame. Um, and, and yet, even with Ian Book being a great quarterback, it wasn't enough to overcome the elite quarterback uh, that Alabama fielded in Mac Jones, so th- it's really one of the things that is that is certainly uh, destined to keep Penn State from joining the ranks of the elite is and, not having an elite quarterback. Right. And speaking so of elite, it'd be great. Speaking, speaking of elite, one. speaking of elite, let's speak it. Speaking speak of elite, <laughs> of elite. Um, the Penn State 2022 recruiting class is mm. among the elites right now. It, it, yes. it, it, it's And it's continuing to... Moving to, in in that upward direction and staying there. Yeah, it's it's jockeying back and forth for the number two spot with LSU. Um, but we just received um, a commitment from Makai Flowers. Uh, currently, I believe he... It depends on which recruiting site you're looking at. But between Makai Flowers and Caden Saunders, both of which are highly ranked wide receivers in the 2022 class, both are our top rated, excuse me, top rated um, recruits of the 2022 class. Um, Makai Flowers committing to us over a bunch of other schools was huge to keep this in-state um, domination of this class rolling. I think five of our eight recruits are all, pen, or excuse me, are all uh, Pennsylvania guys, and Caden um, uh, Saunders just received his uh, invitation to the under. Armor All-American game, and uh, he's one of the uh, an outspoken um, guys in this recruiting class, continuing to recruit for uh, Penn State. And these guys are just uh, starting to shine a little bit more this this year. And and with with the guys like Jahan Dotson next year uh, graduating and moving on, you know, <laughs> and uh, high-powered offense in, with Yursich coming in, these these wide receivers are going to prove to be integral parts of of Penn State's teams moving forward. Well, with as as hard a season as this was to uh, watch, as hard a season as this was to be a Penn State fan for, uh, all of these things I think you know can give us reason for for hope uh, to. 
that there are still good things to come for Penn State football. And we're going to talk about that hope and sort of our sense of the future near the end of the podcast. But Tom, what we haven't done yet is talk about uh, the Penn State season that we just witnessed over the last three months. And, um, you know, we're now a couple weeks away from the conclusion of uh, Penn State's on-field performance this year. And um, it's time to just sort of look in the rear view and talk about what it was like, give our big picture impressions, uh, what's our analysis of, of what we saw. So, um, you know, how, how, do you, how do you jump in to look at a season as strange, uh, difficult, frustrating, uh, and ultimately what we saw. How do you, how do you talk about it? How do you think about it? Well, I think it's easy to assess that this appeared to be a tale of two teams. Um, you know, the first half team versus the second half team, but, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about that and it's like, what if we had still gone four and five, but like it it was an every other game where we were Jekyll and Hyde as opposed to like going Oh and five, we're starting Penn state history. And then, leading into the off season and next season with with a four game winning streak like which would you rather have had you know <laughs> it, it depends and it depends on how you look at it <laughs> depends on what point in the season you right. talk to me about right absolutely <laughs> right now i would and take which the four teams game... we would have ended up beating and losing you know yeah i mean i'll take a win over ohio state if I'll, if the, i'll take a win over michigan team. though any year right yeah i'll <laughs> take a win over indiana i mean yeah you know we'll we'll, we'll Talk That's about this if. for a long time. That's the what if. What would have happened if the Indiana Indiana game had gone our way? Would five and would we four have the feels same better? Five and four and a one and four start feel better than four and four five and, and five. an own five yeah, start for sure. Yeah, I, I, and and I don't think we would have lost to you know Maryland, Nebraska, and Iowa if we had lost that Indiana game. At to least be honest not in you. the ways that we lost them. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, and that, that's one of the ways when you, I mean, like you said, the easy take is a, it's a, a, a tale of two teams, but like, it, you know, taking a step back, um, you know, the first half might not have been quite as bad as we thought. Right. Uh, like, you know, like what happens if that last second Indiana loss ends up being a win. How does that change the psychology of the team? How does that change the self-confidence of the team? And all that like soul searching and gut wrenching part, especially of the, of, you know, those three losses after Ohio State, which were just, you know, that's when we were really dragging bottom. You know, maybe that doesn't happen or not quite to the degree that it happened uh, if that Indiana, um, you know, again, it was, I mean, you don't, you don't want to say that a season turns on a, a controversial call, but nonetheless, it's sort of one of those moments that might have might have shifted yeah. everything. Now, it's, you can look at it as a tale two teams from a season perspective, but I think even even during our win streak, it was a tale two teams in each individual game. There was the team that would give up 21 points to Illinois in a quarter, oh, or 21 gosh. or points to Michigan State in a quarter, and then the team that locked it down, like. So yeah. we were a yeah. very much Jekyll and Hyde team from a lot of different. I mean, Clifford, boomer bust, you know. Yeah, Chuck and it, re- it really felt that way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so um, inconsistent at best. I think yeah, is, I mean, is where this team, la- you know, uh, falls this year. Yeah. The the only other thing I wanted to say, just in terms of it may not have been as bad as we thought, is that uh, we played Ohio State close. Thirteen points. You know. Um, 
and especially after that Clemson game when Ohio State uh, demolished them, it was it was like you know what you know we we did not look nearly that bad <laughs> against Ohio State as Clemson did. Uh, you know, maybe Ohio we State feel goes maybe. In, Maybe we feel different if we go back and watch the game in full. That's that's true. The game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we did not let Ohio State run away with that game, and and um, you know, even as our offense obviously was still struggling at that point in the season. But uh, yeah, there were just there were some good things. Um, Kirk Scirocco's offense uh, struggled mightily at times, especially in those first five games. But um, you know. We put up a lot of yards. We had a good time of possession. You know, there were signs early on, even as as we were in those uh, doldrums and the and those darkest uh, weeks, that, that there were there were signs that there were some good things to come, which it ended up, you know, revealing itself by the by the last four games of the season. Um, but right. by the same token, right? Uh, we've also kind of said you and I that well, the second half probably wasn't as good. As we thought, either I, that's how I feel. I definitely feel that way. I mean, as as happy and and you know glad as I am to to see them have gone on that four game win streak, the competition was not you know something to, they weren't measuring stick teams. You know, you got to win them. You got to win them. But to, to to tout our greatness based on that those the, that competition, those teams, some of the you know Illinois not good, Rutgers not good. Yeah, I mean, we ended up finishing ahead of all of those teams in the right, standings. Right. Um, you know, so um, you know, they also on the looked, one... those teams looked good against us at times in those games. Yeah, minus, yeah. minus Rutgers, I'd say. Uh, Illinois, I guess, after we got our act together, twenty-one well, points we... in a quarter against us. I know, but I, what I'm saying is, after yeah. that occurred, yeah. we we then you know sort of went to town on them. I mean, Rutgers and maybe Michigan were the only two games where it felt like our defense really shut someone down. Um, right. Which again, you know, against Michigan, I'll take it any season, no matter the circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but and um, welcome back, Jim Harbaugh, with your contract oh, extension. Yes, more opportunities to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> enjoy the you know, futility I, of Harbaugh's coaching. I, at Michigan. I have this weird, I have this weird hate hate relationship with Jim Harbaugh, and <laughs> but you know, I I like love to hate. Yeah, love to have the opportunity yeah, to yeah. have. Uh, coach just, like that to... You know, we need Michigan to be good. We just do, yeah. I, and which sucks. You know, we, the, for the Against overall everyone but us. Yeah, a healthy Big Ten ecosystem yeah. is bettered by a team like Michigan being better. And and I don't know, Harbaugh maybe can get it going at some point. Maybe he I, he needs fire that he hasn't possessed in a few seasons. I would I would say, but uh, it's part of the reason why we hate him is when he had that fire. Yeah, well, if uh, I mean, I, to me, honestly, it's sort of his his arrogance that that really gets under my skin. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, if I were, if this were a Michigan podcast, which like that's the last thing in the world this will ever be, but like I would probably <laughs> be talking about how like the Blue and Mays brothers. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, that's like. Uh, I'm cheating. You know, that, I feel like I'm cheating I mean, on, like our, a, on ourselves. That's like purgatory, right? Like the yeah. like a, a punishment for the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that would I mean be the worst. It's all in good fun for all of yeah. my Michigan yeah. friends. Um, but but even so, you know, if I if 
if we were talking about it, you'd say you'd like to see a lot less talk and a lot more action on part of uh, part of Jim Harbaugh. And, and, and um, you know, we'll see. But um, anyway, it was really I mean, that was probably that and the um, Rutgers game was were the only two games where our defense really, you know, showed up for the whole game in a, in a meaningful way. But, um, you know, I would also say um, that even even as our offense um, seemed to start to click in the second half of the season, there were still times when it looked really unpolished and, uh, you know, you just sort of disappear for long stretches. Uh, it was missing not tackles, missing yeah. focus. Uh, yeah. On the, on the huge, defensive side, huge missing tackles. And, and, and coverage. I, and I was talking maybe, uh, maybe, uh, the sound didn't quite, I was talking about the offense, you know, where the offense, oh, um, was not clicking and, and it would sort of, you know, go into hibernation mode and it just, it just wasn't, a polished team, you know, and so, you know, our talent won out and we managed to hold on and, and make fewer mistakes than the other team. But but it never it never felt like there was consistency um, on the offensive side of the ball, even in those games that we ended up uh, able to win the, the second half of the season. So, you know, it felt good. It felt good to take the turn um, and realize you weren't going to have a totally winless season. But it, it still left a lot to be desired. Yeah, um, yeah, we were we were a, a team searching for an identity for a long time, but on both sides of the ball, we just yeah. hadn't found ourselves. That was really, really the problem with you know losing you know Micah Parsons, losing Journey Brown, Noah Kane, losing Pat Fryermuth, basically in the yeah, second never game. being able to fully install the schemes yeah. of the new offense. I mean, I think where we where we ended the season at Illinois is where you would want to be sort of at the end of your non-conference schedule. You right. Know? Like here and we are, we finally got things finally, going. We, you figured out your identity, yeah. figured out your problems, you're finally scheming around them. And boom, season's over. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so in a normal season, you'd like to be going into your conference slate at that time, you know, kind of knowing who you are and, and you know, what, you know, what kind of your, your, your assets and liabilities are. And next are. season, we'll have the non-conference slate. Oh, it, and it's going to be a tough one. And we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, assuming COVID doesn't wreck, uh, yeah, you, you we know, are wreck making things all the way we through the summer. But, but um, so... Yeah, tale of two teams. Um, well, and and so for the the next section of our analysis of of the season, um, you know, we thought we would talk about the two main sides of uh, the Penn State team: the offense and the defense. And so, you know, now that we've got a whole season under our belts, we 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 suffered through the losing streak. We we kind of regained our sense of. Uh, pride in the win streak. Um, you know, let's talk about the offense and what were some of the the woes that we had to deal with that, that are worth kind of mentioning here at the end of the season and what were some of the, uh, the positives and silver linings that you saw, Tom? Well, I mean, I think it was clear that part of this tale of two teams was a team that, you know, 
uh, couldn't run the ball, and then a team that could run the ball. Yeah. Um, and then during that losing streak, we could not run the ball. And I, I won't bore everybody with all, all the statistics of it. You could just tell. I mean, Devin Ford and the offensive line and the run game approach, just it just never clicked during that losing streak. And it wasn't until um, Kevon Lee, you know, with the with the injury to Devin Ford, you know, we of course, by all the stretches of the imagination, we wanted. Devin Ford to be the guy and to prove himself to be, um, you know, a great Big Ten running back. It just kind of just didn't get his opportunity really with the the new um, offensive line coach and the new offensive line scheme. And um, yeah, you just, wonder how much of that was like Devin Ford's personal ineffectiveness in the scheme versus how the, much of it yeah. was just that the the team hadn't figured it out yet and that when Kevon yeah. Lee was able to step in, you know, that it was the right person at the right time. I, I think yeah. Devin Ford's abilities haven't been able to fully um, materialize yet. I think he's still a kind of a little unpolished uh, as a as a feature back. Uh, and I think he he still has a has a higher ceiling in front of him. Um, but Kevon Lee just figured it out a little bit quicker than him. And and by the time he was given the starting job due to the injury, uh, I, I think the offensive line really started their gelling cohesiveness at that point. So it kind of served Kevon Lee well in that respect. Yeah. And let's just remind everyone, Kevon Lee, along with his um, teammate, Keziah Holmes, uh, and the two of them at, at one point were really the only uh, running backs available to Penn State. Both of them were true freshmen this past season. Yeah. Uh, you two, know, two so, four-star running backs from from out of state and uh um you know, they're they did their <laughs> they per- performed better than we would could have hoped I w- I should say as two true freshmen. Yeah, I mean, and it definitely, you know, going forward, even with the loss of uh, Journey Brown and uncertainty surrounding Noah Kane, you know, you you got to say you feel good about um, where Penn State's running back uh, position is right now, um, and 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 you you feel good for the success of these guys, especially because, as you said, um, that second half of the season. It was the running game that really was one of the critical factors in turning things around. Yeah, and 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 with that, you know, because the running game was struggling so much in that uh, losing streak, more was placed upon whether it was because of the coaching uh, decisions or uh, you know Clifford's own mental struggles or um, you know whatever he put upon himself trying to do too much. Clifford floundered with oh my gosh in, in that you know everything is on my shoulders kind of role, which you know for better or for worse uh, you know it, they, they, things were on his shoulders at that point when the running game was not going you know so I mean you'd 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 like to be able to say and looking back you know. That, and that sort of two teams, the turning point kind of moment there, you know, just after the midway point of the season, that Clifford did rise to the occasion, but it was much, much later than it needed to be. I mean, we he really was Jekyll needed and Hyde. Clifford. He, he yeah, was Jekyll and he Hyde. needed to rise to the occasion, you know, game one or game two. And, and um, you know, the, the struggles were, were far greater than, than any of us had expected. Yeah. I, I go back to, you know, our conversations about Clifford. Um, in our pregame podcast, and do you remember we were talking about how you know, and and just uh, 
you know, upset about how pro football focus had listed Clifford so far down in the, in the they ranks. They overrated of, him. I know. They overrated him. We were, it, I picked. mean, good point. Good, 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 uh, good memory on that. Cause I, I mean, gotten all I mean, they had put him something in like 40 or 50 and we were like, yeah. this is awful. Like Clifford's, this is going to be a breakout season. With Kurt Taraka, he's bound to be a Heisman Trophy like he's the, We're going to win every game from here to the end of time. He's going to be a Joe Burrow type quarterback this year. Yeah. Well, and that's he what was, Clifford thought. And I think Clifford went, yeah. I think Clifford was saying that he wants to be like Joe Burrow. I think he, somebody needed to be like, no. You need to be like Sean Clifford yeah. and just do your job, dude. Don't try and you know, like prove to the world that you're the best quarterback in college football because when you're trying to be the best quarterback in college football, you're going to be the worst quarterback in college football. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely you know, it definitely seemed like Clifford was pressing and 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 especially in those moments where he was making just awful Egregious turnovers that that literally lost the game. Kind of looked in like what occasions. I mean, not not nearly as bad. You you said you said last night <laughs> that uh, Justin Fields was looking a little Clifford like, and I said, I said, I said John Clifford would have something to say about that. He would have fumbled the ball four times, and two of them would have been for touchdowns. <laughs> you know, but because uh, that's what that's what Clifford just did when he was Clifford going up against an Alabama defense. Oh my gosh! It's I I mean. The Clifford of this season would That's just what I'm saying. would just have crumpled for sure. And you know, you always give someone the opportunity and the ability and the expectation that that there's growth possible. Um, and so you don't want to write off the opportunity for Clifford to make some some progress and and strides. But um, you, you know, I mean, he's going to need to make progress and strides regardless of what happens in true. the transfer market, regardless of what happens with a new offensive coordinator, like. Dude, you know, he needs to get he's not going to get anybody trying to take him from if, you know, if he transfers out due to us getting a different quarterback. If he goes to another power five team, he's he might not be a starter. If he goes to a group of five team, he might not be a starter at the way he has played recently. Well, uh, I, I think that so he's got to get know, better regardless of what team he's he's going to be on. And, and I hope no it's doubt. Penn State's. But, but let's let's just assume, as we all expect right now, that that. Uh, Clifford remains the quarterback for Penn State. Um, you, you know, I to me, I think the lesson of this sort of two teams kind of season is that, you know, we were losing when Clifford was bad news bears bad, yeah. and we we won when Clifford simply managed the game absolutely and didn't turn it, you know, didn't give it away. So, you know, now again, that's not going to be enough to beat an Alabama, much less an Ohio State. Um, and and it's not progress be enough to beat Indiana. Need, yeah, progress will need to be made for sure. But um, you, you know, I think I, I think that was the sort of the turning point was when Clifford just recognized and decided to play within himself, and it took not try to win the game single handedly. Um, yeah, and it took Penn State having the worst start in you know history for Clifford to finally realize that I need to stop this reckless. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely. Just abandon you know, and like to Franklin's credit. I mean, it's almost he he says it almost to the point of, you know, not being able to hear it. You know, the turnover battle, the turnover battle, the turnover battle. You know, but like these are the things that win and lose football games. Whether or not you can hang on to the ball and whether or not you can take it away from the other team, and you know, so 
Clifford finally recognizing that simply not turning the ball over is going to help us win football games, you know, that was a big step for us. And um, it was nice to see things sort of smooth out. And you know what? Um, there were some nice pass plays that he was able to make uh, when the opportunity presented himself. He significantly cut down on his turnovers. He, may, I, he had maybe one or two interceptions toward the end of the season, um, but certainly not at the rate and not um, in the ways that, that, that ruined the football games like it did early on. So, um, so, so that, that tale of, of, of quarterback struggle was, was a huge storyline and a huge part of this season. But counterpoint to that, I think, and probably – you know, our big question mark, again, I go back to when we previewed the offense going in was the wide receivers. And I even said, you know, now to my everlasting shame that, like, I'm not even sure how good a receiver Jahan Dotson is, <laughs> you right. know. And we, I remember mentioning uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith and, and Parker Washington as these two freshmen and what are they going to do. But boy, oh boy, if it wasn't the wide receiver position that ended up being the true uh, bright light and strength of this team. I mean, yeah, Jahan Dotson. I mean, it, it you know led the Big Ten in yards, had eight touchdowns on the on the year. I mean, that's 884 yards and eight touchdowns is great for that's you a know, good 13 any, games. That's season. a yeah right. for any Penn State wide receiver. That's a yeah. great season. You know, if you remove Allen Robinson from the equation, you know that's one of the best in Penn State history. You know, so Allen Robinson was just an unbelievable stud. So his numbers were gaudy and, you know, Bill O'Brien's offenses were chucking it deep with with Christian Hackenberg. But um, if you yeah, if you if you uh, project his stats out, I think we, he has something like twelve hundred or some odd yards and twelve to thirteen touchdowns. And I, I don't have those numbers in front of me right now for uh, but he has an an all time great Penn State season if it's a full season for sure. And then if you factor in if we play for a bowl, um, he gets the to it's just, it's amazing that that we we get to to get him back and and I you know it's one of the best tandems um, in Penn State history. Um, uh, I believe um, it's something like. I think it was like 180 yards per game. 182 yards per game was Freddie Scott and Bobby Engram combined um, yards per game uh, in the '94 season. And uh, you know, after nine games, you know, in in for this season, Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson finished second all time in Penn State history with 152 and a half yards per game over nine games. That's uh, that's. Pretty amazing, you know. So, so and with a with a struggling two quarterback system, and <laughs> yeah, you know, and let's remember we ran the ball this season as much as we've run it in the last ten years. Right. I mean, and, it was a run first, run heavy offense, and and these two guys still lit it up. Uh, is it you know with with you know second true, highest true freshman and yeah exactly yeah second highest yards per game in Penn State history. I mean that's. That's really exciting, and um, you know, again, one of the things that was, you know, for for an offensive performance over the course of the season, uh, that just left us, you know, beside ourselves so much of the time. You know, to see these two guys come out and uh, and perform that way was just was just uh, really really delightful. Yeah. You know, especially considering how difficult this 
uh, position has been to watch over the last and couple with a brand seasons. new wide receiver coach. It, yeah, you hadn't mentioned that, but yeah. brand new wide receiver somebody coach. who's earning his paycheck, by the way, <laughs> and and a true freshman uh, coming in with a new. Um, you know, new new wide receiver coach, new offensive coordinator. They they weren't able to implement all those things. It's just really, it's it's impressive. That I mean, that just speaks to the level of athlete that Parker Washington is, and Jahan Dotson. Just I, I, he's only gotten better since he's been here. He really has. And 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 to think that he was actually committed to UCLA and on the last second flipped his commitment to Penn State before National Letter of Intent Day. Uh, it's just, I, who, who, who knows where this wide receiving core would be right now without Jahan Dotson? Last thing I'll say about Jahan um, is that, you know, in the depth of that five-game losing streak um, and, uh, you know, it was it was painful. It was painful for us to watch. It was painful, obviously, for them to go through. Um, Jahan really emerged as a leader on that team. He he w- was clearly a steadying voice. You could you could see it in his performance on the field. You could see it the way he talked in in post game. You know, he is someone who who never felt like you know we got to abandon ship. He was someone who never you know, whined or moaned or made excuses or didn't blame others. Like, you know, he was, you know, of the, of the voices that you and I heard, and this is really my first time, by the way, of like ever paying a whole lot of attention to post-game interviews um, with players. Um, Jahan was someone who, who was resolved and steadfast. And, uh, you know, that was impressive um, because, you know, at that time, the question was, where's the leadership on this team? And Jahan really stepped up into that into that void. No doubt there were others, and maybe those who who didn't express it in the same way, um, you know, during those um, you know press availability times. But uh, you know that was that was also uh, I think really really significant. So to have someone who is uh, as explosive on the field and who is a significant a leader off the field was a was a really a big deal. So I'm yeah, really probably, delighted that Jahan's coming back. He's probably on a short list of guys that'll be, um, you know, a team, a team captain next year, I would think. Um, and and Franklin even said this season, because you're right, and Andy, we touched on this with Jahan earlier this season too, but Franklin even mentioned, you know, hey, Jahan's not really an outspoken guy. He's a, he's a lead by example kind of guy, but, but uh, he has come to the forefront when the need was there. Um, to to steady this team and probably had a key role in helping this team, um, you know, win their last four games. Obviously, both on the field, but I think even more so, what we never see as fans or um, is what happens, you know, on the practice field. What happens in the locker room at halftime or at the end of a game? Um, th- that kind of leadership, I don't think you can really put a a price on, so to speak. Uh, so you know, it's it's it's. All the more incredible that he has decided to come back uh, for his senior campaign, um, and he'll be a steadying force on the offense and in the in the locker room. Uh, one would think, and through the next you know spring and summer sessions, uh, it, it's a. I think it's not insignificant whatsoever to, to to have him continue to be on this team. So let's um, let's flip sides and talk about the defense. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that Penn State's always been able to count on, um, even before we had some of these sort of high-performing offenses of James Franklin for the last few years, we've always been able to count on solid defense. And um, I think for me, one of the biggest disappointments of the season was just how far 
the defense uh, fell in terms of their ability to you know hold the line and 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 stop another team and and you know there were times it felt like we were watching flag football this year with the missed tackles and being out of position. Um, speaking of being a tale of two teams, the the the, the defenses, uh, the defense that our our team fielded this year was was especially in that losing streak, extremely uh, disappointing. Yeah, uh, there's really not a <laughs> ton to... <laughs> what are you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I didn't no, mean to I steal any thunder. But <laughs> there's, no th- there's no thunder to steal. They, they stole it from themselves. Um, I mean, it's just they were <sighs> so misguided. I don't know. It's, 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 Brent Pry, Andy, is... Is is um, James Franklin's longest tenured um, assistant coach? He's the, the 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 lone coach remaining from the Vanderbilt um, uh, you know coaching staff that Franklin brought over with him, and everyone's gone. But but Brent Pry has been with I think I think he's been with Franklin now eleven seasons, and he's has put together great defenses in the last four years, um, and this is I hope an aberration. Is that the correct word? Aberration? <laughs> um, and uh, Works for me. Okay, cool. Um, now spell <laughs> it. So, uh, uh, okay, so Let me get back to you. <laughs> is there's an H in there somewhere? Um, no, there's I'm not kidding. an H. <laughs> <laughs> there's a silent X, however. Uh, <laughs> it's French. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I just, you, you, you got to wonder if, if, if Brent Pry, if he... <laughs> I don't know. Did he lose his edge? I get it. He had a new defensive line coach, which, by the way, the defensive line underperformed massively, in my opinion. Um, sure, they would get pressures and all that kind of stuff, and they had a lot of good tackles. Um, but, you know, <laughs> oh, way, zero sacks. Um, and Shaka, oh, you know, six, what, six or seven sacks on the season? Six, I think. Um you know, I, to my, to, we thought Shaka would break out a lot more than that sack wise. Uh, we thought Owe would have a, you know, a, a breakout season sack wise. Uh, we thought Brandon Smith would have had a breakout season. Um, and, and sure, Brandon Smith came on towards the end of the end of the end of the year. I think he led us led Penn State with eight tackles for loss. Um, but he certainly wasn't the Micah Parsons replacement that we were all really hoping for. Maybe that no. was, a, maybe that was, um, you know, maybe, maybe we put too much on the guy, um, you know, thinking, you know, Micah, Micah's who's, there's no one else like a Micah Parsons. That guy's might be the first defensive player taken off the board in the draft. So, so it's kind of probably, probably was unfair to, to slate Brandon Smith as a, here, you got to fill these shoes. Cause well, he, you know, the, the thing is he flashed in his freshman season and yeah, he had and, some cool hits. You know, so so not top end production. Uh, well, no, I mean in the second half of the season, he did seem to sort of find that's what, his way. Yeah, but, that's what I said. Eight, eight but, tackles for loss. But, but overall, um, yeah. just emphasizing what you're saying, just overall, you know, was not, um, you know, was not able to fill, um, you know, fill the role uh, that that we needed him to. And so, so will Brent Pry be able to bounce this defense back, like in the same breath as will James Franklin be able to bounce this team back? Because I think the defense certainly played just as a key, just as key of a role in 
the losing streak as the quarterback play has. I, I mean, they, they maybe even be more responsible at times. Possibly, po- but you know, know, but you know, the defense was put in those bad positions with all those t- turnovers by the quarterback. Too. It's true. So. It's true. I mean, it was non-complimentary football, you know. Um, but look, you know, we went through this together, you and I, when we were when we we're recover- recovering our you know, sense of what the season was like. And, and it was hard to to remember some of these defensive lapses. And and really, in six out of the games that we played, we had uh, these moments where, where an avalanche of points would be dumped, uh, you know, on to Penn State by the opposing team where the, where the defense just sort of like – uh, evaporated. I mean, it was almost like they were non-existent. And I'm just going to go through them here real quick. Against Ohio State, uh, we gave up a 14-point run and six and a half minutes to start the game. And uh, we followed that up uh, <laughs> by giving up another touchdown so that we were down 21-3 just before the half. Uh, and Maryland, over uh, 15 and a half minutes in the first half of the game, we gave up 21 unanswered points. Uh, against Nebraska. That's not good. <laughs> no. 21 unanswered points. You know, and again, with a struggling offense. I mean, I mean, we're talking Maryland and Nebraska, which have been underperforming teams for several years now. Um, it's, it's just what – Against you don't Nebraska. Let, Penn State's defenses don't let that happen. Against Nebraska. Nebraska. They won three right. games all right. season. Right. Uh, they gave, the defense gave up 24 points over 15 minutes when our offense scored just three. An uh, Iowa, uh, in 14 minutes of the second quarter, we gave up 21 unanswered points. Against Michigan State, a game that we f- came back to actually win, we gave up 21 points in the second quarter uh, to R7. And then again, Illinois, we already talked about it, 21 points in the first quarter uh, to R7 points. Like, And look, here's the other like egregious pattern. These are all first half lapses. Yeah. We did not yeah, appear yeah. to come out ready to play defensively at all. Yeah. And almost in any game. <laughs> I mean, so of including those six, the last game of the season, mind including the last game of the season where we were actually, you know, seemed to find our footing. Yeah. <laughs> Look, in in six games this season, we gave up twenty one points in a in a very short stretch. Of those six, we lost four. Is there any surprise that we lost those games? Yeah. You know, and I mean, the only I mean, the thing— the Steelers couldn't come back when they're 28-point first quarter <laughs> onslaught. So, you know, <laughs> so— I mean, it's, it's tough. It's what yeah. you—you you know, I yeah. mean, to, to dig yourself out of that kind of a hole. And, you, you know, have to beat re- Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's not impossible. But it takes an incredible um, shift of momentum and um, determination by a team and to do it. I mean, and we did it two out of these those six times. It, but look, we did it against Michigan State, a, a team that struggled mightily on defense all year, and against Illinois, you know, who finished at the very bottom of uh, the Western Division. So, you know, it just it, the defense bears a lot of the responsibility for. Uh, the record that we had, and and you know, especially um, coming off of the last few seasons of Penn State's defense being, you know, measurably one of the top defenses in the country. It was a it was a 
probably a bigger shock to me than the the disappointing performance of the it, offense. It really needs to be an aberration because it, you know if Brent Pry values his his job at Penn State, if he I don't and if Franklin retains him, and I, I, we we don't know if he will at this point because yeah, who knows more, what more moves thinking. could be possible. It's I, not, I'm not I'm not saying I've heard that that that's possible. No, I haven't but, either. But you know I think if. If if uh, if anything, I thought maybe Pry was more in jeopardy of losing his job than um, yeah Sharaka, namely because Pry has been here forever. Yep. So like yep. it, it wasn't anything new he was installing. Yeah, and know? the only the only major personnel losses he sustained was Micah Parsons, and that was at the very beginning of the pandemic. Right, right. You know, so unlike the offense, which was a shambles by the time you get now, to the start he did, of the he did. No, he 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 withstood other personnel losses, but not necessarily in that five game losing streak. He did lose Tariq Castro Fields. He did lose Jason Oway. Fair enough. Um, Fair you enough. know, so so there were other things, other factors. Um, you know, he had a brand new defensive line coach, so you can like you can say you know he gets a pass, whatever. But with the way that he fired Kirk Sharaka. You know, you never know. Maybe, maybe he's looking to to shake things up on the defensive side. But I, I would be surprised if Brent Pryor was fired at this stage. Um, you'd think that he would have already done something. You know, if he knew who the guy was coming. So you're going to pick up someone who was in that game last night. I, but who are you going to get? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who are you going to? You going to? There's no lateral moves coming from a national title contender, so you'd have to yeah. be picking up um, a, position a position coach. coach. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't. Which is I don't, not impossible. I, no. we're we're digressing. We're speculating. But here, but, so so but getting back, like Brent Pry, James Franklin had better make sure that this last season was an aberration. Brent Brent Pry's job will be on the line this season if he doesn't get it together. I, I sure say. think so. I sure think so. He's he's got to get back to being a, a you know, a top uh, having a top performing defense. We need to be in the top five or ten of of a number of statistical categories. And on top of that, you know, we need to be able to rely on our defense to win or close out games um, and to keep games close to, you know, to hand us wins as opposed to um, digging us holes. So I think you're right. It's, it's you know, another year like this is, is going to be, um, you know, bad news for Brent Prize Penn State career. Uh, and we do hope, you know, we do hope that we see some of that. Um, there were some bright lights. We already mentioned Jaquan Brisker, who did have a really great season for us uh, in terms of his individual performance, and he is coming back. Um, but you know, he was rated uh, you know one of the one of the best performing safeties in the country, and and just the way you watched him play games, he was one of the few guys who seemed to regularly be around the ball and in the right place. Uh, the other was uh, a freshman uh, Joey Porter Jr. Um, and, and, you know, between the two of those guys, uh, along with some solid play in some of those other positions, again, like the receivers on the offensive side, you know, we had a lot of doubt and question about the defensive backfield coming into the season. And in a lot of ways, that was probably, um, some of the brightest spots on defense. Now, they did still give up some big plays at inopportune times, especially Lamont during Wade. that Maryland game. Lamont yeah. Wade and Mark Lamont East. Wade in coverage is a real yeah. liability, but Huge but liability. for the most part, our our defensive backfield, um, 
you know, had an overall pretty decent season, um, thanks in large part to Jaquan Brisker and Joey Porter Jr. So both of those guys coming back, something to build on. Um, it's been a long time since Penn State's had a lockdown corner. Joey Porter Jr. turned out to be, you know, that kind of um, uh, cornerback for us uh, most of the season. So that was really that was really nice. Um, if we can get the linebackers in the D line to perform up to their usual standards, we might have a chance to have a good defense next year. You know, Clemson lost to Ohio State in an embarrassing fashion. And from everything that I've read about Clemson is the players themselves are back to work to be able to get themselves ready this offseason for next year to never lose like that ever again. So, you know, that's because of one game. One game, you know, they, they lost to Notre Dame once this year without their starting quarterback on the road in Notre Dame, you know, and then they went and ran the table until Ohio State, including beating Notre Dame again. Uh, so if, 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 a, if a team that's that good is so disgusted in themselves to be like, we're going right back to work so we don't have to deal with a loss like this ever again, you would like to think that a, a team like Penn State that has had – the struggles they did this year, that the players themselves, like a Tariq Castro-Fields, a Jaquan Brisker, a Jahan Dotson, these these guys that are coming back for their senior years, uh, well, I said Joey Porter, but, um, but you know, you, you get your last shot coming up here. And, and for these other guys, you don't want to be on that. You, you want to wash that taste of defeat from a whole season out of your mouth. I'd like to see the sense of urgency from a team perspective, from a from a t- total team being like we're putting in the extra work. You know, none of this like you know just showing up hoping hoping for the best kind of kind of thing. And I, I just I'd like to hear some of these stories coming out um, about this team in this off season working their tail. Like when Saquon Barkley um, came off that monster sixteen season, he went to work in the off season. Like you, like he had had never uh, been on a stage before. Like he was like, I want to prove something, and he went and like set all kinds of, um, you know, fitness, strength and fitness records in the off season. Remember? Yeah, I like do. Was, <laughs> and interestingly enough, you know that that was motivated by a taste of success, right? And what could be, and I think what you're talking about is guys being motivated by a taste of failure and how well, they bad lost it can to be. USC. They right. lost to USC. Well, I understand it. Game. I understand it was a it was a losing effort that motivated that, you know. But um, I agree with you, Tom. I I, I hope that well, look the at resp- what the taste of success from the Cotton Bowl did for. for yeah, that right. That's a good over, point. Over over confident, you know. Yeah. Just well, showing up to work and not and not doing the little things. So not it, gelling, not 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 working as a team, not trusting each other. Yeah, the teams, the, these position groups need to get together and work together. So in just a moment, we're gonna we're gonna take a shift and talk about what we're what we hope for for next year, what we see as the possibilities, and dig in a little bit uh, to um, what we can expect from our new offensive coordinator. Um, but before we leave. Uh, this current season behind. Uh, Tom and I just had a few superlatives to <laughs> we offer didn't you. We spent a lot of time on these, but this is just some, some just a little <laughs> yeah, fun just we some, have just some dialed quick, up for you. Just some quick takes. So Tom, but why first you... the word from our sponsors. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> we don't have uh, any. <laughs> so uh, why don't you start us off, Tom? 
Well, I, you know, since I'm I'm the guy with the majority of the hair between the two of oh, us, thanks, Mandy. Man. Low blow. Uh, you know, a little bit. I mean, I'm going bald, but you're a little balder. Five years balder than I am. Um, <laughs> five five years my balder. <laughs> hey, uh, but blue and bald of, brothers. <laughs> speaking of things that changed over the course of the season, my beard. It's I, finally it's coming in. A five, I, now, it, yeah. Well, I feel pretty darn good about it. You know, little little side note. Like we, my, our sister actually. Uh, created our our logo for us um and she made the logo with Andy having a beard and at the time he did not have a beard I didn't have it at the so like, he had to grow it in I'm racing to catch up to my logo and <laughs> to I your brother I made it I made it yeah uh, so um but the question is speaking of will, will you keep the beard or will you have to uh, regrow it again well that that is um a great opportunity for some fan feedback I think yeah all right so so best hair on the season you know in in years past I would have said um you know our punter oh man I'm and I'm gonna I stout no 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 oh. uh, the, the one before um yeah 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 oh my gosh what the heck is his name loser Oh, he suck! He was like number ninety-three. He was yeah, he was with a, a mullet. Yeah, he had the mullet for all those years, and 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 like I think he even had a mustache at one point. Anyways, I suck. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Best hair, Kevon Lee. Oh um, man, his 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 uh, Penn State like profile picture on his on his actual player page is like something. It's just this incredible, uh, you know, wild afro. It's amazing. I yeah, I love it. So he Kevon Lee gets my my best hair. Yeah. Uh, so. Until a new contender emerges next year, we'll see. Okay, so um, my my superlative, my, my first one is uh, best sideline display, mm-hmm. uh, and that goes to um, Jim Harbaugh when they didn't make that fourth down <laughs> at the end of the game, and and uh, Joe Milton got stuffed, and just the, yeah. the look on his face with that r- ridiculous mask over his the face, the, <laughs> microphone, the face boner, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just like so that's that's best sideline display, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Congratulations, yeah. Jim. Uh, basically, the wor- I, I two two some negative superlatives. Play, yeah, the worst play. I mean, the Clifford um, interception to the uh, Iowa defensive end that went for a touchdown, and then I forget who it was against, but the, the, it was a sack and scoop touchdown score. Was that? Was that Nebraska? I mean, it Who could have been that? any one of seven. Maryland. Or it might have been Maryland. Yeah, yeah Maryland. I, I, maybe. Yeah. So and basically, any Clifford turnover for a touchdown <laughs> that occurred this Worst past year. Worst play ever. Yeah. Um, not and good. I'll I'll follow that up um, with uh, my superlative for best hot take, which is Clifford's post game performance after those losses, where he's uh, you know basically like, I mean, he he looks like he's a, a zombie and he's like. Got to get better, and like the best he can do. Got to get better. Just repeating it. It's got to get better. Just it's a mantra. Yeah, got to get better. It's like I got nothing else to say. He didn't get better for five games. (laughs) He did not even listen to his own advice. Oh man, Uh, (laughs) poor Sean Clifford. Yeah. What else is he supposed to say? You know, he's a college kid. He doesn't. I I give him props for. I give him props for sitting through those those post game interviews. You know, um, but can I? Was, I'm making. I'm going to make up my my worst. Um, a new, a quick uh, interject interjection superlative. Worst face paint. Uh, any Penn, any Penn State quarterback, they just have these like. Oh, what like, is? Re- what are you doing with all that face paint? Like, like smearing. Yeah, like all you know, the way the down, black. All, from from like your top. Who, whoever all started the way to your- that, you know. It, it, it's wrong. It's a, it's the the the, the eye face paint culture at Penn State. You, you know, I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself. 
Um, if I'm going to go that route, why don't we just go different colors? Why don't we just get, you know, like if you're going to, I don't know what that face paint is signifying. Is it part of your brand? It should be like the the druids from like, you know, Ireland or Scotland with like the blue and like the war paint or something. I like Like, that. Or like, yeah, yeah, something something Scandinavian. It's it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, Tom, uh, you had uh, a best single game performance. I, yeah, I got to go Jahan Dotson at, at Ohio State, even though it was in a losing effort. The man was on fire against Sean Wade, embarrassing him with one-handed catches, two back-to-back on the same drive, namely. But, he, you know, he three touchdowns in that game. It was just, yeah, I think, what, he had 144-some-odd yards in that game. Um, and, and a backup Put us in position to be in the game yeah, at all, and then and then I would say oh, that would that'd be one A, one B would be his performance in the Illinois game. Oh yeah, it's Jahan Dotson straight yeah. up. He's the, he's he's our team player. He's our best best team player. I would say. Uh, well, we're about to get to the MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I'm jumping the gun. My bad. But in any case, uh, yeah. So I've got one uh, best COVID Ooh, plan yeah. goes to James Franklin. Uh, yeah, and just just a reminder to everyone that. Um, you know, COVID definitely uh, overshadowed the whole season, but Penn State, uh, one of only two teams in the whole conference to get their entire season in, um, they kept their team healthy, and it was it was it was impressive. Uh, it was an impressive show of leadership. I mean, um, he never uh, he withstood withering criticism, and he 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 kept. Uh, you know, firm with his conviction that the, the most important thing he could do is keep he the team He took it seriously. He, he took did. it seriously. And, um, you know, even look at Ohio State, like one of the one of the causes of their, their loss, loss that you could point to is that they had how many players off because of the COVID um, complications? Yeah. yeah. You know, so um, it, it had a real effect for teams all throughout the season, uh, both in the NFL and in college football, and you know whatever else you want to say. I mean, Ryan Day had to miss year. a game. Yeah, Ryan, whatever Ryan you want to say about Penn State this year, they were a healthy team, um, you know, top to bottom, and and credit James Franklin uh, for leading the team through this pandemic crisis, possibly, possibly to emerge even stronger in the coming year. Yeah, well, well, let's let's hope. Let's hope. Um, uh, speaking of uh, hope, I don't know where I'm going with this transition. Yeah, it's but, close. But, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I'll go best farewell performance. You know, there was a lot of hope for Shane Simmons' uh, career at Penn State being a five-star recruit. Um, and he has exuded uh, maturity the entire time at Penn State. Um and this was his fifth year season, and he did not really get a chance to start at Penn State ever until the final three games of this season when OA went down with injury. Um, and he closed out the season with some sacks and some tackles for losses that that uh, were were actually you know they they contributed to to, put, to the to the wins um, closing out the season. And he is elected to forego his sixth year. And is elected to move on from football, and um, you know everyone on the team wishes him well, and they expect great things from him beyond the gridiron. But he gave a great farewell performance um, to football and to Penn State, and uh, produced on the field uh, when when we needed him to, and I, I, I we appreciate that for sure. So let's uh, finish up our superlatives with um, our MVPs for the season, starting with uh, MVP on offense. Tom already let the cat out of the bag. No surprise. Uh, Jahan Dotson, uh, the easy 
easy call for um, season MVP uh, for the offense. Yep, easy call with Dotson. Uh, you know, first ballot uh, season Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, but but I would say, um, you know, I actually I won't even mention the next guy. I want you to go ahead and give us the defense, and then I've got our um, our 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 two rookie. I'll go go with some rookies Ooh. of the year. Ooh, okay, yeah, which we'll we didn't discuss before, but I'm yeah. gonna bring it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with or an it. audible. I like it. Yeah. Um, so um, season MVP on defense. Um, we we went uh, with Joey Porter Jr. Um, he was definitely the standout on the defense, uh, not only in coverage but. Uh, making sure tackles um, uh, in the running game coming up, uh, uh, you know, he was one of the few guys who who didn't have huge whiffs, um, you know, uh, in the tackling. Um, just just really great performance all year, steady, solid. So, um, you know, congrats to Joey Porter Jr. for absolutely winning the Blue and White Brothers Defensive MVP. Yeah, um, which is, by the way, pretty crazy given the fact that he is a redshirt freshman. Yes. Um, so you know, I, I, I you know, I, I'm going to give two uh, offense and defensive side of the ball rookies of the year. Let's hear it. You know, um, I, I, you know. Kevon Lee to me is somebody who stepped up in a big role. Definitely um, needed needed him needed him there. I mean, if he, he ran he, like like he did in the last four games, if he if he had had an opportunity and showed that the first five games, he he could be uh, you know easily in discussion for the offensive MVP alongside Dotson. Yeah, and if not for Jahan Dotson, I, I, I would say you know Parker Washington would be the other uh, possibility there. Yeah, but another, because, um, because of Jahan Dotson being so good, another rookie you know, of the year candidate. Uh, we need, sure. but we needed that run game, you know, to 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 pair with with that that pass game badly. So, um, is our fourth fourth string running back, <laughs> you know? So, but on defense, you know, with the uh, Joey Porter already taking the um, defensive MVP award, I'm going to have to go ahead and uh, give the rookie of the year award to um, redshirt freshman Hakeem Beeman. Nice. Uh, who's, who who came on towards the end of this end of the year and really started to establish himself as a legitimate defensive tackle rotation um, threat, and we're going to be needing him big time next year. As uh, and if you did, if you don't like the the whole red shirt freshman um, you know approach to, to rookie of the year, I'll, I'll go ahead and toss in um, uh, you know uh, uh, oh, what's his what's his name. Uh, Curtis, I think it's Curtis Jacobs. He, you know, he he didn't do a lot on the field, but he certainly has the ability to slide into the role next year and really make a splash. And and uh, with with some of the opportunities he got this year, he he looked pretty pretty solid. So um, finally, special teams um, season MVP. Um, this was a, a little closer for us. Um, but um, we, we had to give it uh, to Jahan Dotson just to emphasize his uh, special performance this year. Um, he had a couple of just remarkable returns, especially toward the end of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just we're going to need those next year for sure. Yeah, it'll be exciting to have him back. Uh, but, you know, right on his heels, and this is someone who we don't know whether he's coming back. Um, we've already mentioned, but Lamont Wade, uh, you know, as disappointing as we felt with him in coverage uh, during the season um, and on defense, he took, if you all remember, he took kickoff return duties 
toward the end of the season, and he had a couple of of, of really nice returns, including a hundred yard uh, touchdown return plus it was a hundred plus yard touchdown return in that Illinois game. It was just a thing of beauty, and um, so you know would have been interesting to see Lamont Wade for the whole season. Uh, at that position, um, but uh, for those uh, few games where he is returning kicks, uh, you know he's a honorable mention for uh, MVP on special teams. Nice. <laughs> so that's it for superlatives, and that's going to close out our our overview of last year. We're going to take the last few minutes of this podcast to look ahead, and um, the biggest part of that look ahead has got to be at this point um, the addition of a new offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich. What's your sitch with Yersich? What's the sitch with Yersich? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do we know about this, him? Tell people who have Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, it's funny because like like the first couple of times you're talking about Yersich and I didn't really kind of put together how you pronounce his name. He's like, yeah, I wanted to talk about your sitch. I'm like, with what's my situation? What what do you want to talk about? And I realized you're yeah. talking about yeah, the yeah, offensive yeah. coordinator. But anyway, <laughs> um, it took a few days for me to kind of get to know uh, who he was. Um, I, I don't know if he's a commonly known name uh, for the oh, average Penn State football fan. Um, I know I know around college football he's well known, but for the average Penn State football fan, they may not know him. Let's just sort of give an orientation for who this guy is and what he's bringing to the table. Well, you know he's from he's from Ohio, but but he has spent a the majority of his co- coaching career in Pennsylvania. Um, he played in college at uh, at the University of I'm sorry Cal- California University of Pennsylvania as a quarterback. But then he went on to do some some coaching at St. Francis in Indiana, and then found his way with his first uh, um, graduate assistant gig at the University of Indiana, um, and uh, then moved on to being the quarterback coach, uh, offensive coordinator for Edinburgh in Pennsylvania, and then moved on to a, uh, a OC QB job at Shippensburg, in which he lit it up big time um, and had the uh, his quarterback um, basically win the Division II um Heisman Trophy, essentially. Uh, so uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State noticed that and in 2013 hired him to be their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And from that point on, he was commanding commanding Oklahoma State's high-powered offense. And he, he ran what, what is referred to as, what he refers to as the smash mouth spread. Um, so... You know, you think of Oklahoma State uh, back from 2014 to 2017, which which he was there longer than that. He was there from 2012 to, or excuse me, 2013 to 2018. But 2014 to 2017 is when Oklahoma State had Mason Rudolph, and his numbers, Mason Rudolph's numbers, at, extremely gaudy, staggering, yeah. staggering. I mean, the kid threw for almost 14,000 yards. And the majority of that coming in three, you know, his his uh, sophomore through senior seasons, um, he had uh, 92 total touchdowns passing during his career there. So, you know, for his career, his, his final three seasons at Oklahoma State, he threw for 3,700 yards uh, and 20, 21 touchdowns. He threw for 
4,091 yards and 28 touchdowns and threw for 4,900 yards and 37 I'm sorry, touchdowns. 4,900 yards? Yeah. He threw for yeah, almost, almost 5,000 yards? <laughs> yeah. His senior, His senior year. Yeah. And, that is and unbelievable. What is crazy about that is his um the numbers like the breakdown of run versus pass at Oklahoma State um those years he never he never passed the ball more than he he ran the ball interesting uh oh sorry the, the 2000 only one season of his at um at Oklahoma State which was the 2015 season did he run more or did he pass more than he ran all the rest was dead even or just it was extremely balanced offense let's put it that way so he is not um, yeah, so it's not a fun and gun happy. type of air raid offense. They run the ball still. They definitely yeah. run the ball still. Um, but the passing when when it hits is not the dink and dunk. Uh, no, you know, it's explosive. It, it's explosive passing, right? And yeah, that's going to be a big difference, I think, from what Penn State has seen. Assuming he's able to get a quarterback quarterback who can who can hit those passes, um, you know, maybe a little closer to Trace McSorley, a la twenty sixteen, than what we've seen in, in the last year or two with Sean Clifford. Yeah, uh, at least in terms of the type of scheme it, he's it's trying exciting. to run. It's exciting. It's an yeah. exciting um, prospect of, to have that explosiveness come back to, to Happy Valley where, um, sure, there were some long plays. Obviously, you know, Jahan Dotson had the two 70-plus yard touchdowns uh, in the same game against Illinois, the only time that's ever been done at Penn State ever. But we were not consistently No, and those were like line of scrimmage plays too. Right, exactly. They, yeah, they, he, this is a vertical passing attack. Uh, you know, explosive offense, not not a not a not a crossing. The kind of sc- the kind of passing game that's fun to watch. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. So can um, Clifford run it? Can we get a quarterback that runs it? Right. to be to be determined. We certainly have the wide receivers right now that that can make it happen. You know, let's so, put it this way though: with with deciding to um, fire Kirk Sharaka. So, so we we come up with all these excuses, and and I'm okay with the the excuses of of it was a pandemic. We couldn't get um, the offense installed properly because of that, um, because of the Zoom meetings and none of the in person. But guess who had to install his offense at Texas? Uh, Mike Yersich. During the pandemic, he yeah, was, he was, he was brought in OC. in the off season. And yeah. how did that turn out? For them? I mean, he. His numbers at, at Texas were pretty darn good. You think he averaged almost 43 points per game. I mean, they and, were second in the Big 12, weren't they? Um, in, in a lot of offensive categories. Yeah. I, no, they were, first, to, they were first, let's put it this way, they were first in the Big 12 in explosive plays of 30 yards or more. So, um, I mean, explosiveness. And they finished second in the Big 12, um, I think, in terms of their final standings. Um, and I think in a lot of their offensive categories, if I remember, they were second. Whereas Penn State finished, you know, middling to last in a lot of those same categories. Right, 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 right. So, um, and, and yeah, so now who knows, you know, part, part of what Penn State didn't get was even a spring practice on the field. Maybe Yersich got that. And and it may not be comparing apples to apples. But, um, yeah, it sounds like he was able to have a lot more success installing his offense in the offseason than, than Chiraca did. He averaged – the Texas offense averaged almost 500 yards per game last year. Yeah, with which is with that- installing his offense in a pandemic. 
And I think Penn State had like 430 or something like that, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm not sure. Look it up. I, I think I remember seeing something like that. But anyway, uh, okay. the other thing, talking and I'll last thing to, to mention about Yursich is that um, between Oklahoma State and his stop at Texas, both of which he was offensive coordinator, he did spend one season as the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator for Ohio State, where he yeah. coached yeah. Justin Fields to his best performance of his career um, in terms of yards as well as completion percentage. So, um, you know, last year, uh, Ohio State, of course, had a had a, another excellent season, and Justin Fields looked at times like an all-world quarterback. You had Mike Yersich behind him pulling the strings there. So now, you know, will he be a quarterback whisperer like we thought Kirk Sharaka might be when he came in? Um, you know, Kirk Sharaka, of course, uh, you know, coached Tanner Morgan at Minnesota and and led him to become a really excellent quarterback. Of course, Morgan did not have a great season this year. But um, does he you know, go back? Does Sharaka go back to Minnesota? Uh, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, um, that would be interesting. But, but um, and we haven't heard where Sharaka is going to land yet. But um you know, I I don't we'll know I don't know whether Mike Yersich is going to be able to bring, um, you know, Sean Clifford into the the best that he can be, but you certainly expect that he has the capability to do that. Yeah, um, sort of think- of bringing in a, a, an elite level quarterback. That's of course probably who he's going to have to work with, right? <laughs> I, I think we should do a a full. Like your sitch breakdown, either before you know, sometime before next. Yeah, we'll do it as starts. a preseason, a preseason. Yeah, or, or even in the spring. Maybe you and I will do a uh, a spring episode after the spring game if if the spring game actually happens. Um, I you know maybe like a post spring update or a pre spring sure. update. We might we might get into not, no promises. Not term, no promises on the spring, but um, at the very least we'll get get it to you for a preseason um breakdown of the coaching staff because I there could be more changes and. Yeah, we true. don't we don't know. We have yeah, no idea. We've already mentioned um, you know, Brent Pry and of course now with the um college football season be- being freshly in the books, there's always some some movement that happens around the nation. Yeah, we and, might pick up another recruit, we might get yeah, another transfer to might get, you, you, get different coaching shifts that domino yeah. effects um lead, lead. And maybe another coach takes another job. Yep, from yep, our of staff. Of course. That's what I'm saying. So Yeah, maybe maybe um, that's so, what I'm saying. <laughs> I think we're saying the same thing. <laughs> in different um, ways. So so as we kind of step away and put the the 2020 football season in the books and and sort of look down the horizon at the uncertain future of what 2021 holds for Penn State, what are just some of your big maybe one or two, Tom, of your sort of big hopes uh, uh, for the 2021 football season? What do you want to see besides obviously a national championship? <laughs> yeah, I think. Um... I think this season put put a lot into perspective for the coaching staff, for uh, the players, and just how much work needs to be, um, you know, <laughs> implemented week in, week out to just have a winning team. No, nothing's nothing's a given. Yeah, I, and so I hope that 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 this season instills a hunger for this team in the off season, and I hope you know, and I think we're seeing it happen here that that, that a sense of urgency from the top down, you know, it's trick, you know, the trickle down from Franklin's sense of urgency this off season with some of the moves he's making. I hope that translates to his players in that like you got to seize this moment. Jahan Dotson's coming back. Jaquan Britzer's coming back. Um, 
you know, Tariq Castro-Fields is coming back, sees the opportunity to play for the blue and white, uh, you know, one last time this, this season and, 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 well, we'll see. We'll see if they can put it together with with a new a new offensive coordinator and hopefully a, a rejuvenated um, sense of urgency. So yeah, yeah that, that, I, that's that's where my brain's at with moving into the offseason and next year. Yeah, I, so uh, alongside that urgency, I'll um, offer a, a, a counterpoint word, which is not to like say I, I disagree with that. I do, but I also hope that there is a some sense of normalcy. And not like a normal in the sense of like, oh, good, we can, you know, stop trying so hard, but normal in terms of like doing the things that a team is going to have to do in order to be competitive again. So, you know, having a chance for team practice, you know, having the normal kinds of offseason strength conditioning uh, and development. um, Or even just the ability for these kids to be college kids on campus. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's part of it, really. I mean, ha- having a chance. And, Antonio like, Shelton going to Florida. Like, I think Florida is a little more relaxed in what they're, the state is allowing people to do, you know, f- across, you know, campuses. Maybe he wants to get to a place where he can be a normal college kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and you certainly expect that all of these kids are, are looking forward to that one way or another. And I hope that the 2021 season gives some of that, um, you, you know, at the same time, I hope that the hard lessons of this year are are retained in an appropriate way, not just the sense of urgency that you mentioned and and you know making sure we don't take things for granted, but like you know this team learned new skills, it learned how to operate in in um, this this difficult environment, and and hopefully Franklin will learn how to integrate some of those things into the new normal, so the team is even better positioned in the future. Um, I don't think you can understate the sacrifices that the the players and the coaches and all the supporting um, staff for the team have had to endure um, this season. Uh, so I guess, you know, you got to thank them for for doing, for giving us a season. You know, we th- This podcast doesn't exist without the season happening. Um, you know, my enjoyment of the college football season doesn't exist without those sacrifices happening. I was certainly distraught at the, at the prospect of not um, watching the Nittany Lions <laughs> yeah. play, especially while yeah. other conferences were. Like that, yeah. You know, I I got to, I was able to enjoy college football from a from a you know an a, an uninvested a spectator of these other conferences. But once the Big Ten was back in, it was just I was so elated to to learn that I'd be able to watch Penn State play. And I guess you know, gotta thank thank the people that made those sacrifices to to do it, Franklin and the, and the players and everybody else. Well, that about wraps it up, guys, um, on the 2020 Penn State football season and the Blue and White Brothers inaugural season. Um, we expect to be back. Um, how and when? Uh, we'll be working that out during the off season, um, And, uh, you know, just as a little way too early preview, um, we got some really, really big games right off the bat next season, assuming everything kind of normalizes for the schedule. Uh, we have Auburn and Wisconsin uh, 
um, and a surprisingly good Ball State team as our first three games of the season next year. Not in that order, by and the way. And we're already getting the top 25 rankings way too early coming in, given Penn State a ranking of somewhere between 10 and like uh, 25. <laughs> so, in some so cases. you know, and uh, there's there's. Uh, Reasons for hope and also reasons for worry as we look about the, the you know, we know what it's like to start 0 and 2, 0 and 3, and so on. And, and boy, these, these teams present challenge for us. Um, so that's going to be coming up sometime in the future. Um, until then, Tom, what final words do you have for our Blue and White Brother uh, listeners as we sign off? We're going to do it bigger and better next year. Bigger and better. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's going to be a whole new production or mostly some of the same. Uh, I, for me, this was, you know, in a very, very tough year, this was one of the most fun things I had, uh, looked forward to it every week. Um, even in the midst of those, those, those down, um, those down weeks, um, those dark periods, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next season with the prospect of a new Penn state football season and the chance of maybe vying for, I don't know, a, a division, division a conference champion. And <laughs> yeah. dare we think, dare you know, we. we still have a ways to go, especially with that, you know, final game of the season last night and seeing Alabama. We've got a long ways to go as a Penn State team to get there, but some good things to look forward to. Um, I want to leave everyone with a couple of thank yous. Okay, Tom already mentioned one uh, to the team, uh, to the coaches, to the staff, uh, all the sacrifices that were made uh, by this Penn State team. It was was, We were glad uh, to be able to watch it. Um, But um, I also want to say thank you to our sister, Laura. Uh, she she really helped us uh, get off the ground. Um, she gave us some graphic support. She gave us some advice and um, good counsel. Uh, thank you to our mom and dad, uh, Rick and Kathy Gathman, who also uh, you know supported us um, with with more than just encouragement. Um, provided some advice, and uh, of course they you know downloaded thirty or forty episodes each week to bump our numbers up. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I, what yeah, other I, thank well, we yous got, do you we have? Gotta, we got to thank um, you know our ladies, your your wife, my girlfriend for absolutely. For a, a, you know you you more speaking so of for, sacrifice. Yeah, you more <laughs> so. I mean, Eileen, your wife, you got two kids between you. Um, she's got to take on some more responsibility uh, for you know her and her schedule. You know, running the kids around or just monitoring or whatever the case may be. You know, she uh, doesn't have you for, getting to speak my mind for two hours. Yeah. A week, you know, without consequences. Like she's jealous of that (laughs) for sure, you know. (laughs) So, and and of course, you know, um, Kate, my girlfriend, for for giving me her studio time and time again, Um, and of course, mom and dad, you know, giving me the closet time and time again. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) but and and to all our friends and family who helped get the word out and have enjoyed it. um, uh, In addition to all the people out there that are listening that we don't know, we thank you as well. Big thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, you know, we've made some jokes over uh, the the weeks about you know it's mostly our family downloading multiple things, but we know that w- that you're out there, you're listening, you you hung with us, and and if you're still hanging with us here, you know, some two hours <laughs> into our final episode, yeah, your dedication is it, it real. We're doing it for you as much as we're doing it for us. We're really grateful that you stuck with us, uh, and we want to hear from you as we as we. Um, evaluate how we've done and what we want to do in the future. Do you have uh, some advice for us? Do you have some requests? Do you have some thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Let us know. Um, 
send us an email, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Uh, we would love for you to just uh, to leave a rating uh, or a review um, on, on iTunes. And um, we would love for you to tell your friends. Let, uh, let them know that Blue and White Brothers is going to be back. This is a podcast that's from a fan perspective. We feel like we are unique among Penn State podcasts. And, uh, and we want to take it to the next level next year. We'll be working on that all off-season. But as we do, we say thank you for being with us. And now, Tom, it always starts with I love you. And it always ends with I love you. Ending with a big love you, bro. I'm glad to be doing this with you. And um, until next season, we are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 